0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was, and who is, and who is to come. Amen. I'm not going to preach on any of the three lessons that we read for today. But instead, I'm going to preach from Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. So if you want to open to that, you can. I'm going to read it to you twice. So you will get to hear it. But it fits. We're in a season of the church here that has been known as the end times. And in the end times, we focus on Jesus coming back to earth again and taking us to be with him forever in heaven. For those who troubled the Lord's people, this, this day of judgment will be a day of terror, it will be a day of tread, it will be a day of warning, a day that is awful. But for those of us who have faith, wow, that's going to be an incredible day. And so, in this time sort of between the Pentecost season and before Advent, we enter into this time of end times, where we think about this and what it means for our life. In some ways, you can say it's almost the New Year's Eve of the church year, and then we'll start Advent, and that'll take us to Christmas, where we get to celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to this world. In connection with that, I have a question for you and it's pretty much the same question that I asked to the children in in the children's message and that's, what's your paradise? Now, maybe for some of you, that's tickets to go see the Packers play the Cowboys at Lambeau Field. 80,000 people all cheering for the same team. Wow, that's my paradise. For some, it may be a week at the beach, right? Especially in these colder months when everyone else is suffering and we we headed out to the beach and it's gorgeous weather. and Ah, wow, this is my paradise. For some, it may be away from all people. We get out into the mountains and we can just hear the, the rustling of the leaves and there's peace and quiet. We can read a book. Ah. That's that's paradise. But now that I have you distracted and daydreaming about whatever your paradise might be, I have to draw your attention back as I'm going to read for you the text that comes to us from Revelation chapter 22. A revelation that was given to John as he was on the island of Patmos in exile. You may say to yourselves, well, he's on an island. That seems like a pretty good paradise to me. But no, for John, this was torture because he wanted to be with God's people. And he wanted to share the message of what Jesus had done for the world, for all people. And instead, he's on this island of Patmos. And I wonder how often the words that we talked about today... Our theme for today didn't cross his mind. Oh, when Jesus comes back again, that will be a day of terror for those who have troubled God's people. But he also, for sure, knew that this was going to be a great day for him. That no matter what happened to him on the island of Patmos, he could be beheaded. He could be cut off from all of God's people. This was going to be a day of tremendous victory. Hear these words of Revelation chapter 22 as John writes down what he sees in a vision, a vision of paradise restored. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On on either side of the river was Tree of Life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit. Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will no longer be any night. And they will not have need for the light of a lamp. Nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of our Lord that we wish to meditate on today. Those words are from the book of Revelation. I just told you that. But do they sound to you like words from a different part of the Bible? The first book, Genesis. In fact, these words are very similar to the description of the Garden of Eden which we receive in Genesis chapter 2. I'm, I'm going to read a few words from Genesis chapter 2 and just listen to the similarities between the two accounts. Genesis chapter 2 says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of tree grow. Trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated out into four headwaters. You can can see how similar it is. River, tree of life. Let's review a little bit the creation story. God placed Adam and Eve in this wonderful garden, the Garden of Eden, and there were two trees there, right? There was the tree of life, tree of knowledge, of good and evil, and many other trees. And God said to them, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the command I have to you. This is the way that you can praise me. And the serpent came in. Did God really say? And what did they do? They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, they could no longer stay in the Garden of Eden. God placed a curse on them and a curse on the serpent. Now, because of what you have done, you will have to toil in the fields. There will be sweat. There will be hardship. There will be pain in childbearing. All of those things will exist because sin has now entered the world through this disobedience of my command. But in that same breath, God offers a promise to Adam and Eve, as he says directly to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. I will send a savior, God said, and that savior will rescue you from the sin of this world. That savior will rescue you from the curse of this world. But yes, until then, you will live in a world that is full of issues. There will be hardships. There will be conflict. And that could not have been any more clear to Adam and Eve than when they see their own son Cain kill Abel. Just a little bit after that, there was now going to be suffering, hardships, toil, sin. You know very well that the earth that we live on is not a paradise. You can go to the beach for a week or you can go out into the mountains for a week and that's all well and good. But when you come back, there's 25 emails waiting for you in your inbox of things that you have to get done for work. The relationship that was broken or suffering, when you come back, it's generally still has some problems. It doesn't just go away. There might even be problems while you are on that vacation or in that place that you might perceive as paradise. There could be a temptation. And that is to think, well, if I just had this one thing, then there will be paradise on this earth. You know, if I just had a little bit more money, Ah, then there would be paradise on earth. If I just could go on that vacation, then this life would be a little better. Then there would be paradise on this earth. It's interesting if you read uh, about people who were living in the early Christian church. They talk about the last day constantly. Why do you think that was? Well, they were experiencing a a lot of persecution. They didn't have all of the earthly blessings that we have in this world and so they really hung on to this fact that Jesus is going to come again to take us out of this life that is difficult, out of this life of misery, hardship, pain, sin. Now I'm not trying to say that they were any holier than we are in any ways. They still had a sinful nature that was against God and didn't want to do what God said. But I think it's instructive how they saw with urgency this last day. This day that was going to be coming soon, and Jesus says that, right? This day is going to be coming soon and will come like a thief in the night. You don't know the hour that it is going to come. There can be another temptation. And that is to think that in some way, shape, or form, we can change things on this earth to somehow make it better and make it a paradise. If so-and-so had won the election, or now that so-and-so won the election, ah, now there is going to be an earthly paradise. Things will all just be better. If we just fix this environmental problem, then the earth would be much better and there would be paradise here on this earth. But the problem with that thinking is that it'll never happen. As long as we are on this earth, we will experience hardship. The earth will never be a paradise. Because there will always be sin. And my sinful self will always have to wrestle with this, what we might say living in the here and now, living on this earth and living in the not yet or in heaven. And my sinful nature will always say, focus on the things of this world. Focus on the here and now. That is the most important. The things that I have in this world. The things that I acquire in this world. The state of our nation. These are the most important thing. That's always what my sinful nature will say. But I also await that second coming. When Jesus will come to take me and deliver me from this present age of suffering into life eternal. Because if our sinful selves take hold of it, then we'll actually despise the second day. We'll despise the day of the Lord's coming and we'll be no different than those who fear the Lord coming. Because that will be a terror for them. But Remember how I said God promised in the Garden of Eden that he would send a Savior? Flip through the pages of the Old Testament and see the way that God preserved that promise. He preserved that promise in good times and in bad. In good times, as the Israelites rejoiced at the building of a temple and said, Wow, Lord, you actually dwell in this place. Incredible. Preserved his promise. That temple wasn't going to be the only thing. And in times of problems too, right? Slavery in Egypt. Time of the judges where everyone just did whatever they wanted. Two exiles? And he preserved that promise even after the Israelites came back from Babylon, as we heard in our, our writing from Malachi. And they came back to Jerusalem and it wasn't the way that they had expected it to be. And they were sad. God still preserved his promise. And there's 400 years in between Malachi speaking and, and Matthew chapter 1. And in those, that period of silence, God preserved his promise that he would send a Savior. And then we come to this Advent season that we're about to come into. And we see our Savior come to earth as a man. Unbelievable. comes to this earth and he takes on our sin and he took on that curse that was placed upon all humankind at the Garden of Eden He lives a perfect life and died for you and for me so that curse will be reversed. Yeah, they had paradise. Adam and Eve did. and was lost. And God said, I will restore that paradise in the sending of my son Jesus. And he did it. And Jesus came, died, and he rose for you and for me. And that frees us from our sins. So now we can do, like Malachi says, now we can jump like calves from the stall as we are released from our sins and released from the bondage of this world into life everlasting. His name is already written on our foreheads. And that causes us urgency to go out into the world and to tell other people about Jesus. Yes, so they won't have to have the, the fear and day of terror, but also so that they can rejoice in the kingdom of God that is already theirs. You can tell them about their Lord and Savior, and you don't have to be worried. The Holy Spirit will work through your words. And yes, some will reject. Some will want to hear none of it. But for others, that might be what they need. And the Holy Spirit will continue to work through His word to build faith in their heart, so they can have exactly what you have. Freedom from sin. And you can jump for joy like calves from the stall. Because your name is written in the book of life and his name is written on your forehead. Think again about your paradise as I read for you one more time the words of Revelation chapter 22. A place of perfect paradise, where we will be forever in heaven, by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit. Yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have the need for the light of a lamp. Nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them. And they will reign forever and ever. That's paradise. Amen.